right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, Lesson 56, Ephesians 5. Man, it, I mean, I know it sounds obvious, but you know, there's only six chapters in Ephesians. It feels like we've just flown through this book and kind of is going to feel like that as we continue to go through Paul's epistles, Paul's letters as he's writing to. Now, remember, in the book of Acts, what I love about this story is, is here you have the Apostle Paul. In fact, Kevin, if you want to go to this, uh, go to our second missionary journey. Here you have the Apostle Paul going through th- this journey. So as he's going through this journey, what's so cool is, is it's kind of like, okay, now all of a sudden I'm going to write about my moment, you know, in Corinth. All of a sudden I'm going to write about my moment in Troas, or I'm going to write about my moment as we'll get into Philippi. And that's really kind of what he's doing is, is he's going through these moments in the book of Acts, and then as he goes through the book of Acts, then you see these letters. And remember, remember the story of the Corinthians, Kevin? How, how crazy is that? That here you are in Corinth. He had at least four letters. At least. One was a lost letter. Then you had uh, a severe letter. Then you had 1 Corinthians. Then you had 2 Corinthians. And then they're writing back and forth. And he's making multiple trips. He wants to make multiple trips. But then that's portrayed in the book of Acts. But then you see that in First and 2 Corinthians. And that's really what you have with the book of Ephesians. Here he has, he's articulating his letter in prison, okay, for the church of Ephesus. And right now, the last two days, all we've been talking about is, hey, Jews and Gentiles, for those that embrace Yeshua and Jesus, please have this understanding, you're one body. I need you to understand this. I need you to do the work of the ministry. And don't be afraid to have people speaking into the situation. The apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the shepherds, the teachers, the evangelists, and we're going to do this and we're going to keep diligently keeping the unity, right? <laughs> uh, to experience the peace of Christ in our lives. And so as you jump into Ephesians 5, really 1 through 7, you're going to begin to see, John MacArthur breaks it down, but it, you don't need any commentary to, to, to show you that in the first seven verses, he's saying, hey, I need you to walk in love. And so what you're going to see is, is that he encourages them to be walking in love. So he says in verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God, as dearly loved children. You know, whenever I think of imitators, I always have to think of just like my kids. You know, I drop my kids off at school pretty much every day if I'm in town. And I take them into school, 7.30, 7.35-ish. We pull up into this different lane. And, you know, my three little guys, Nadia, Sela, and Jude get out because Maya goes to a different school. And they always have their hands full. And what does Nadia always do with the door wide open? She kicks it. My first thought is, is why does she kick my door all the time? And then I'm like, oh, she sees her mother do it. No, just kidding. (laughs) It's totally me. And it's just like, those are the little things. Like the little things you don't even know, like they're watching, right? And it's this mentality of, of like, and, and so when I read in verse uh, verse 1, it says, be imitators of God. I want you to be reflectors of his image. You know how easy it is to read through Ephesians 5.1 and just like, and then go on to verse 2, but it says, be imitators of God. Like, that's a big call right now. <laughs> like, this is a big calling. Kevin, what's on your heart? Uh, just the first word, even. It goes back to chapter 4 and where it was talking about the unity and the gifts, the people and different things to establish unity. That's why we're to be imitators of God. Can you go to 1 Peter uh, 1, 15 through 16? 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. I mean, the, rea- the reality is, is that we have no greater calling, right? No greater calling and purpose than to actually reflect and imitate the Lord himself. And 1 Peter 1, 15 says, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy 
in all your conduct. Verse 16, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Like, I love what MacArthur says. He says, the very purpose of sanctification. Okay, remember, once you've been justified in Christ, then you walk out this period of, of growing in him. Sanctification, righteousness, holiness. The very purpose of sanctification, growing in likeness to the Lord while serving him on earth. Like, we are to reflect him in every aspect that we say and that we do. A drastic statement. We've been designed to reproduce godliness modeled like Christ. So when he says be imitators of God, like that's a massive calling. In other words, guys, whatever you're doing, we're going to get to that later on. I need you to walk in love and reflect everything of Christ. That's really hard. Ultimately, we're talking about you guys Ultimately, we're talking about giving up of your lives. Right away, he says, hey, by the way, what are you holding on to? (laughs) You know, if you were to go through your day, we're going to get through some stuff that Holy Spirit hopefully will show you areas of your life like he's been doing mine. Uh, That wasn't so imitating of (laughs) God-like. Tomorrow we'll get into a message and never thought I was going to get to that direction, but the Lord just showed me some massive areas in my life that I need to clean up some ridiculous points that I need to begin to focus on that I've just maybe lost focus on. He said, Kyle, I need you to be holy in every single area. And I don't care how small it is. Are you willing to give up of yourself for the sake of the kingdom? Be imitators of God. I'm just going to pray. You guys know me well enough in Revive School. We don't typically just stop and ask the Spirit of God just to speak to you right now. But I just, I feel like... (laughs) If we're supposed to reflect the holiness of Christ, we need to know what that looks like. And I don't know how else to say it, except Christ gave up his life for us. So Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask right now that you would bring in fresh perspective of areas of every person that's listening right now that we need to, when we look in the mirror, are we really reflecting him? Are we really thinking about ourselves and our agendas and our opinions? Are we really saying... Christ, no, I need, you to, I need you to clean it up. I need, I need to look more like you every day. Would you show us areas in our lives that we're not? Show us areas that maybe we just, we just let slip just a little bit enough that our attitude is different or our words are a little bit different or our mindset is different. Would you just allow us to be imitators of you so that people would be drawn to you? Holy Spirit, don't hold back, please. Speak to us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's the deal. As you're imitators of God, verse 2 will actually make sense. You'll be able to walk in love. As the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us. He he basically gives us a definition of, of even a little bit about what it means to be an imitator of God. He says, you walk in love as the Messiah loved us. He gave himself up for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. I love this because really Christ is the ultimate example, is he not? I mean, obviously, it's kind of a funny, funny way, but you know, <laughs> you ever walk by somebody that has B.O.? Walking in love. Walking in love. You're like, whoa! Or you gotten in a bus or a plane or a train or an Uber and you're like, dear Lord. Like I took a, I took a shuttle just recently from Atlanta to Columbus. 11 people in one little van. <laughs> 
if one person doesn't wear deodorant, we're all going down. And the whole place smells. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but when you're walking in love, it's a, a constant, ongoing, sweet aroma to the Lord. Like it smells good to Him. Like you're a fragrant offering to Him. You're a sacrificial and fragrant offering to Him because you're reflecting Christ. How good do you smell to the Lord? Like, are you an aroma that he's like, oh, I love when Rich and Kevin and Tom and Kyle, I love when they walk, not because of what they've eaten, but because of how they're reflecting the Lord. And I'm serious. Like, that's the reality, though. Like, when we walk, do we reflect and smell like him? It's interesting, Kevin, in verse 2, it talks about the sweet-smelling aroma. There's offerings um, that Israel made to the Lord in the Old Testament. In fact, there's five of them commanded by God that Israel is supposed to do. If you go, I mean, it's going to be all over the board here, but in Leviticus 1, 1 through 17, here you have this aroma, okay? And the first one is, is it talks about is a burnt offering. And really what you see in Leviticus 1, 1 through 17 it's, it's, it's a burnt offering that depicts Christ's perfection. So in other words, these offerings, okay, the first three are going to be prophetic pictures, okay, prophetic pictures that point to the Messiah. Does that make sense? This burnt offering is an aroma to the Lord because it depicts Christ's perfection. In fact, Kevin, thanks. Leviticus 1.4 says he is to lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering so it can be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. See how this picture portrays the Messiah. So that's one nice smelling aroma. Another one in the Old Testament is comes from Leviticus 2, 1 through 16. Here you have the grain offering. Again, another beautiful um image that we have, an aroma that we have, and it depicts Christ's devotion. Depicts Christ's devotion to God. And really, what it is, it's it's giving His life. His life, and what it does is to please the Father. And so here you have in Leviticus 2, uh, verse 9, the priest will remove the memorial portion from the grain offering and burn it on the altar, a fire offering of a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Giving up of his life, it's complete devotion to God. So here you have the burnt offering and then you have the grain offering. These are offerings that clearly portray what's coming. And then the third one that I just want to reference here today is the peace offering. In Leviticus 3, 1 through 17, and you know, we've talked about this, and this even was alluded to yesterday. It, it's a depicting Jesus' peacemaking. And this is kind of an obvious one between God and man. Leviticus 3, 7 says, If he is presenting a lamb for his offering, he is to present it before the Lord. I mean, these are offerings, the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, the peace offerings, because all of these are aromas to the Lord. Betrays Christ's perfection, Christ's devotion, and his peacemaking. So these aromas, okay, then you have two other ones, and all of these, just so you know, are soothing. 
I know, it, it, I promise you that I'm not trying to be remotely cheesy at all. Like, it's the best smell out there. It's a soothing aroma. Have you guys ever been into any any place that has a smell? Like, what's your favorite smell, Kevin, you think? Rich, Tom? New car? Freshly baked cookies. Freshly baked cookies. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, fresh cut hay. Alfalfa hay. Really? I think I would start sneezing, but I like that. Okay, Tom, what do you got? Steak on the grill. Steak on the grill. Are you grilling it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Mine's got to be, I, I could just sit with a shoe in my face. I love new shoe smell. Oh, you clarified that. Thank you. I was about to throw my <laughs> shoe at you. <laughs> and then maybe new vehicle smell. That's a really good smell. Love that smell. I love fresh pizza. Uh, I love steak. Man, you guys, we're, all of these, and what we're talking about, nothing compares to the soothing aroma of Christ. When you're walking in love, uh, and just so you know, the sin offering, uh, the trespass offering, they both are actually repulsive to God because, uh, this is kind of funny, um, they depict Christ, him as he's bearing the sin. So the first three are actually soothing aromas, but the sin offering and the trespass offering are not. Kind of an interesting little bit of picture here. So go, go back, Kevin, if you would, in verse 2. You walk in love as the Messiah also loved us, and he gave himself for us, a sacrificial, fragrant offering to God. As imitators of him, we need to smell like Christ. So how do you do that? In verse 3, he says, But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard among you, as is proper for saints. So in other words, there's probably a good chance that this was a conversation. Something of their actions allowed him, he needed to talk about it. I mean, in Ephesus, pagan temples dedicated to the Roman goddess Diana. So in other words, immorality and greed could actually come into the church. Just like having the goddess Diana, it's coming into the church. There's nothing good, there's nothing smelling good, no soothing aroma that remotely reflects the image of God. When we're talking about verse 3. He says in verse 4, by the way, it, it doesn't just stop there, as we talked about in Acts 19. But then there's the coarse and foolish talking or crude joking. They're not suitable, but rather giving thanks. Look, I don't get this one. <laughs> not suitable? You can't do coarse talking, foolish talking, or crude talking. Rich, how, how do we do in this area, you think? As a team? Yeah. Um, we're not, we get on to each other, but it, I don't think it, we would fall into the, probably the foolish talking. <laughs> we're not necessarily crude joking, but we are joking. I would agree. And we're not coarse. I, I would agree. The, the foolish, um, I think there's always areas of improvement. You're like, dear Lord, I've been waiting for the spirit of God to speak to you about that for a long time. <laughs> uh, we kind of help that out. Uh, look, our, our, our Christian life must not be degraded. Nelson says this, by filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, it doesn't honor God or give him thanks uh, for redeeming our life. I, mean, I, I have no problem telling you. I, I fall short of this because I, I kind of just get bored sometimes. And I just kind of like to have fun and random things. And I should stop because then my kids say those things. And they're like, why did you say those things? They're like, because you say those things. Don't be imitators of your parents. Be imitators of God. (laughs) 
as dearly loved children. I'm not making light of this because I I think this is, this is really true. It's an area in my life, like, I love to have fun. I think it's okay to joke. I really do. I think laughter is a good medicine. I really, scripture talks about that. But not to the point where you're degrading somebody and, and belittling somebody. I think that we would all agree to that. And sometimes in siblings, in family, and when you do life with people, once you've established that trust, you just do it, and sometimes you just cross the line. So, guys, I'm sorry. Are you serious? I, I, knew, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I'm just waiting. I, I kind of am. Good effort, though. Good effort. I'm working. <laughs> Here's the point. It doesn't imitate God when we talk like this. I really want to know if Jesus was sarcastic with his disciples. I want to know if the disciples were sarcastic with each other. I'm sure somewhere in there, they hit somebody on the rear and then made fun of them. But you probably shouldn't like talk bad about them. I don't know. Like, look, Holy Spirit, I'm not, I'm serious. Like there's an area in my life that's reflecting down to my kids. I got to stop. Because there are times when I go to events and my kids say something to somebody. I'm like, oh my I should have never said that at my house because then it comes out, you know, in them. And so I, I think it's an unbelievable truth of an area that I need to work on. And that's just one area. Scripture continues on. He says, hey, look, Paul says, look, guys, if you want to be an aroma to him, just like Christ walking in love. Look, all these things got to stop in verse five for no one recognizes this. every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. Woo! Paul just dropped the bomb. He's like, hey, by the way, if you live like this, uh-uh, you ain't getting in because you're not reflecting who you said you were in Christ. All I know is this, and we have these discussions, especially when you get into 1 Corinthians 6 about people that live these lifestyles that don't inherit the kingdom of God. All I know is that you either walk with Christ and inherit the kingdom of God, or you don't walk with Christ and you don't live the Christ-like lifestyle and you're not getting it. I don't know how else to get around this. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. God does not, and I love what Paul basically, he says this. He said, God doesn't tolerate sin. There's nothing about a sweet aroma when you walk like that. Nor does any person whose life pattern is one of habitual immorality, impurity, or greed, nowhere is there room for them in God's kingdom. When it's a lifestyle, you're not reflecting your your new uh, in Christ. Well, Kyle, I don't know. What if he said this? And I'm not going to play those games. I don't know. I just know that it says, if this is the reality um, of of what we're talking about, folks, we, we need to to live like we know Christ. You say, well, God, I'm going to fall. I know. It cannot be a lifestyle. Kevin, Rich, Tom, you want to add anything to this? I think when, you know, Scripture says that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we went through um, the Old Testament and we went into all the things that we thought were just absolutely ridiculous for the Lord to point out and say, hey, don't do these things. I mean, God was looking for His people to be set apart as different and he's still looking for that in us today even though Christ has still come. So basically you can't have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. You can't play these games because God clearly says I want you to be an imitator of me. I want you to walk in love and by walking in love and being in this world in Ephesus and being in the kingdom it doesn't work. God wants us to be holy. 
And so in verse six, there's going to be people, Paul says, that are going to come in and they're going to give you, argue with you and communicate with you these empty arguments. They're going to deceive you. In other words, you know what they're going to say? It's okay to dabble with the goddess Diana stuff and continue to say you're walking with Christ. It's okay to say it's works-based and faith-based, and yet you're going to combine all these worlds. But people are going to come in and say, it's okay. Because of these things, God's wrath, because of these things, God's wrath, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. In other words, okay, let's do a little circle. You can't accept Christ willingly. Okay? And embrace a sinful lifestyle. Okay, that's that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about these. Uh, MacArthur spells it out. You can't you can't take on a sexually immoral lifestyle, an impure lifestyle, a greedy person lifestyle, an idolater. Okay, if so, what does the scripture say according to verse six? You are headed for wrath. I heard a really really, really disturbing statistic. There was a denomination uh, worldwide that was deciding whether or not they should support homosexuality. Okay? Uh, this, is a, this came from a pastor in this denomination. And he said that if it wasn't for a specific country, Africa, that said you cannot vote pro-homosexual in this we, because our lives are on the, on the line. Like in Africa, if you're pro-homosexual, like our lives will be persecuted. Like if we support that, like that will not be good. So the only reason that the church overall said no was because of that specific congregations in that country were going to be killed. Otherwise, they would have voted, yes, it's okay to live this lifestyle. That's crazy to me because you know what the scripture says? If you live like this, you're headed for wrath. Now, forget the homosexual community, uh, community for a second. If you live as a greedy person, it says, if you function as an impure person, as an idolater, like this is not just picking apart one specific thing. You cannot embrace a sinful lifestyle and say you're imitating God. You can't. Nothing of that reflects holiness or Christ. And in fact, when people come in, they're giving you, they're deceiving you with empty arguments. But that's what we do, isn't it? When we say we're walking in love and accepting everybody, that's just an empty argument. And it's not based on truth. It's not based on the word of God. And he says, don't let people deceive you. If you do, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. And then he says in verse seven, Paul speaks so directly into this. He says, therefore, do not become their partners. You don't want, and MacArthur says, any part of it. Now, we're not talking about in the lost world, reaching them for the gospel. We're talking about saying in the church of Ephesus, you're welcoming all these lifestyles. That's what he's talking about. He says, you don't want anything to come into the way of being pure and holy and clean. Man, there's a lot there, you guys, in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, which we never we covered, but it seems like a long time ago. At some point, if the leaven is not good, you got to get rid of it. Because what we'll do, Kevin, it will permeate everything. If you start to allow these things to creep in, look what's happened to these denominations. They're voting on the truth. Who's to say eventually we're not going to start voting on, hey, I wonder if Christ really was God and man. Hey, I really wonder if he actually died for our sins. Like that's, that's, that's where we're coming down to, you guys. We cannot allow these people deceive us with these empty arguments. 
And I think it goes back to you guys. This isn't even an issue in your life if you're imitating God and walking in love. And how do you walk in love? You literally are giving up of yourself, your agendas, your opinions, your life for the kingdom of God. These right here, these lifestyles, they're all about uh, man. <laughs> and Paul's, Paul's pretty forward, you guys. You cannot, you cannot reflect this. It says in verse 8, and this is, this is so key, you guys. And he says this to the Ephesians. He says, hey, for you once were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Like, do I need to remind you? Walk as children of light. So not only are you walking in love, but now you guys, you got to be walking in light. Like, this shouldn't even be an issue. This should not be a, oh yeah, this is us. He said, that's who you were. So now this shouldn't even be a conversation. When you walk as children of light, it says in verse 9, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Amen. When you reflect his love, you walk in his light. And guess what people see? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Not just goodness, not just righteousness. It's all of the above and and truth. Christ delivers sinners. He delivers the Ephesians, you guys, from the darkness. It's the old way of doing things. And he says, by the way, in verse 10, this is discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. In other words, as you walk in the light, you're beginning to figure out what is acceptable to the Lord. What does the Lord ask us to do? And he says in verse 11, again, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead call them out. So can I just tell you now, Methodist denomination, stop voting on whether or not homosexuality is 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 acceptable. Don't participate in the fruitless works. What I love about what this pastor said, he said that if they would have voted, it's okay. He said, I'm out. Yes, it's time that we start exposing folks when they're going against the word of God. Look, I know we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Those from the Methodist church aren't perfect. I get all that. And I think that's why when you walk in love and you walk in light, scripture says, just don't participate in that darkness. But just expose them and say, hey, guys, like, I think it's actually time to turn back to the truth. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Some of the sins are so bad we can't even talk about them. Everything exposed by the light is made clear. Praise God for what makes everything clear is light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead and the Messiah will shine on you. The invitation is made to everybody. Turn to him. And then he says in verses, really, uh, the rest of what we're going to go today is that you need to walk in wisdom. And sobriety. We're out of time today. We didn't even get to the husbands and wives section today. Uh, all I can just say is this. Um, in verse 17, it just says this. Uh, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Jesus is the perfect example of embracing, embracing God's will in his life. He didn't want to do certain things, but yet he still embraced it. If you want to be imitators of God, you got to go back to Ephesians 5, which then you can even wrap up in verse 17. Look, in order to walk out the Lord's will, you got to give up of yourself. 
No more about the, hey, how can I adapt to the culture? How can I adapt to make everybody happy? No, you're giving up of yourself to advance the kingdom of God as you walk in love, walk in light. But please understand, it takes wisdom to walk these things out. They can only come from the Spirit of God. Please, church, let's stop playing around with 80% or 90%. It's 100% true. And when we understand this, the head gets the glory. Jesus gets the glory. Bless you guys. And uh, there's a lot of good things that come from denominations that I've mentioned today. But I will tell you this, please don't play a fire. Because we all want to have a soothing aroma. (laughs) Not a bad aroma. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks.